1: visit com today what is going on everyone welcome to your new favorite podcast as well as the new favorite podcast of Fabrizio Romano, who just so happens to be our special guest today. He's going to come on the show and join us and talk about all things U.S. men's national team and CONCACAF. I don't want to bury the lead any further, so we will welcome on now Fabrizio Romano, who is literally the king of the transfer window. Uh, He knows more than we do about our own time, where we're going to spend our next hours, where our national team players are going to be going next. Fabrizio Thank you for joining us, and how are you doing, man?
2: Thank you, guys. Happy New Year. I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Congrats for everything you're doing for the American football. I always follow you, and uh, happy to be here to answer your questions.
1: So listen, I, I mean, obviously, we appreciate that. Jimmy, before you say anything, I, I got to say, the only way this show gets to continue, Fabrizio, <coughs> is if these transfers happen. If they continue to grow, if we see our players continue to go up in the uh, footballing world. So That's why we have you on here today. We appreciate you taking the time. So let's start off right off the top. Um, What's the status for Weston McKinney? Will he
2: leave in January? Is there some legitimacy to the rumors happening right now? It's a possibility. I would say it's a possibility. Uh, At the moment, I see many rumors about Borussia Dortmund, about English clubs. But what I can say is that as of now, Juventus have not received any official bid. So they're still waiting to see what happens in the next weeks. But... You so know, is one of the players that Juventus consider potentially for sale in case they receive a good proposal. When I mention good proposal, it's around probably 15, 18 million euros, something like that. At the moment, again, it's still a bit quiet, but they consider that as a possibility for the first or second part of January. So we have to wait a bit, uh, maybe a few weeks, to understand what's next. But it's a possibility for McKennie to leave. I would say more to Premier League than to Bundesliga.
0: Now- Fabrizio, great to see you as always and a shout out everybody to Rose Parade here in Pasadena, California. So about Weston McKinney, Antonio Conte has come out and said that he is a big fan of him, a big admirer. But when I look at what Spurs have, what Tottenham have, they've got Ben they've got Hoiberg. Where does he fit into that team? and Do you think Tottenham would be a good destination for him?
2: Honestly, I think it's not Tottenham the best destination for Weston McKenna in this moment. I agree with you. They have Bentham and They trust him. Hojbjerg is an important player. Skip is a player appreciated by, by Antonio Conte. And also, I think Tottenham will focus on new right winger, probably on new centre-back in January, more than on centre midfielder. So this is why I'm not sure it's going to be Tottenham. I think there are also other clubs in Premier League exploring this possibility. They know Juventus' situation, so probably they will wait a bit uh, before submitting an official bid. Uh, they know that for Juventus, it's not the best moment. And this is why timing could be important. But my feeling is still the same, is that Premier League could be the next destination for McKenzie.
1: Well said. And now thinking just about the national team players right now, we're just wrapping up. If you're watching this live, a uh, match between uh, Reem and, and Lil, where um, a player that I thought played really well for us in the national team, and Timothy Weah, um, is back to not starting again uh, in the team. Looking at the national team, we saw a lot of momentum coming out of the World Cup of, of speculation and transfer rumors. Now, you cover the, cover the game globally and transfers globally, but has there been a sustained interest in American players or was that just sort of our own hype that we are creating? or Or are we seeing more interest happening, especially in the January transfer window?
2: No, there is a lot of interest. And this is absolutely growing up. Uh, 100%. It's not just your feeling, but it's the reality also because, as I always mention when I speak about American players with people in the industry, agents, directors, it's not just about the quality of the player, but in many cases they know they are really professional ready to make an impact and this is something really appreciated by European clubs so this is why this is a this is an important an important point and the player I wanted to mention is Yunus Musa I think he's one to watch in in this new year I'm not sure it's going to be January because it depends on many uh, on many factors but I think Musa if he's not in January in the summer he can make his move to a very important club because there are two three Premier League clubs tracking him uh, including Chelsea Arsenal and many others But also in Italy, Inter appreciates the player. Inter will go for a physical midfielder in 2023 and so probably in the summer, not in January. But keep an eye on him because I think he could be the next one to make a big move from, from Valencia.
1: Uh, Jimmy, can you hear us? We, we were just talking a little bit about Timothy Weah, who obviously come off the bench again today, came off in their first match uh, la- last weekend, um, What was linked, and and, and obviously Fabrizio is talking uh, about Yunus Musa being the one to keep an eye on, potentially here in January, but more importantly, just in general.
0: Yeah, I can hear you, and uh, I just absorb anything Fabrizio says. I absorb it, and I process it, and sometimes it <laughs> takes me a few seconds to really understand my thoughts and feelings. Now, Fabrizio... <laughs> I love Eunice Musa as well. I'd be really surprised if Valencia let him go in January. So I think if he's going to make a move, it's going to be in the summer. But you never know, right? Transfer window is always a little crazy. Somebody gets hurt. Maybe there's more of a need to sign a player yes. of his caliber. And his future is obviously incredibly bright. Can we pivot, though, to Christian Pulisic? Because I'm really curious. He's been playing a little bit deeper for Chelsea. He obviously helped set up the goal yesterday in the disappointing one-one draw with Nottingham Forest. When it looked like they were in cruise control, but then took their foot off the pedal. What's his situation? Because we're all very curious about Captain America, even though he doesn't like to be called that, and where he's going to be moving, moving forward. Because I just don't know. And he mentioned actually he came out and said that things change quickly. That was a recent quote from Christian Pulisic. What do you what are you hearing about him?
2: So it's not an easy situation to to explain because as of now, there is no direct negotiation between Chelsea and Danny Club. In the summer, they received some approaches, especially from Newcastle. Newcastle were really keen on signing uh, Christian Pulisic and then nothing happens because Chelsea... After loaning out Romero Lukaku to Inter, they immediately changed their mind and they didn't want to accept any loan deal for Pulisic, for Ziyech and for all the important players. So only permanent deals or nothing. This is why in the summer nothing happened. Now there are no conversations, but I think that sentence uh, said by, by Pulisic is because he knows that Chelsea are now keeping an eye on wingers on the market. Uh, we updated today saying, saying that Chelsea, for example, are following the situation of Mikhailo Mudrik, who is close to joining Arsenal, but is not a done deal yet. So let's see how the negotiations will proceed in the next uh, in the next days. And also important to say about this, uh, this story is that if Chelsea will sign a new winger, let's see if Mudrik or any other one, I still think Mudrik could go to Arsenal. But if Chelsea will go for a new winger, Pulisic has a very good chance to leave Chelsea. In January. So this is why he's one to watch. At the moment, is quiet. But I think in the second part of the January market, if Chelsea will go for a new, new winger, Pulisic could have a chance to, to leave and try something new. And I honestly think he deserves to have more confidence to be a starter, a regular starter in a club. This is really important for him
1: and and sticking on on the the chelsea news uh, gagaslonina makes the transfer to chelsea right and he is our next big hope as a goalkeeper we know that we have the fears of uh, of previous generations with matthew miaska signing and then sort of trying to find his way for the next years we've seen a number of american players go at a young age and then have to find their way outside of the club what's the status with him what is re- his relationship with the, with the club uh, is there any real possibility that he's part of their, their long-term plans?
2: I think yes. Uh, they signed Lonina because they are convinced Lonina is one of the best goalkeepers for the future. So we know the goalkeeper situation, Chelsea now is not super easy with Mandy, Kepa, but also in the summer, they could change the strategy and go for another one. It depends on the contract, also with Mandy and also with the general situation around Kepa. It's a fluid situation, I would say. The goalkeepers won at Chelsea, but they consider Lolina top talent. This is why they invested $15 This is why they wanted the player to be in London, to have a first contact with the teammates, uh, with the manager. So They consider him absolutely a big part of the project for the future. Of course, it takes time, so the expectation is for him, I think, to go on loan. He, He has to play. He has to be a starter. He has to make an experience and so this is why uh, expect him to go to go on loan and then he will have the possibility in the future I think it will take time honestly yeah? but I agree with you on on his skills on his potential and Chelsea too because they invested important money and they consider as the future potential goalkeeper of Chelsea
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see what Gaga Solanina does moving forward, especially when he gets his minutes and how he performs. There's obviously a lot of questions, but I think he's going to come through and answer a lot of those in a positive way. So let's talk about another young player. He's playing in Brazil right now for Internacional, Johnny Cordoso. He's being linked to Roma and Monaco, Fab. He didn't make the World Cup team for us, but I think his future is incredibly bright. Internacional got second in the last uh, Brasileiro season, and he started a majority of those games. What are you hearing about his links to to Roma and Monaco and how real are those?
2: and we had many leagues also with Spezia, another Italian club owned by Americans so because they were really tracking him and say for Roma because Roma have been following the player but i told that at the moment there are no advanced negotiations yet also because the financial situation for Roma in the budget of the January transfer window uh, are not that big so it's not an easy it's not an easy situation as of now and they have to probably invest on a new center back so this will be the the priority so with Roma is nothing advanced it's true that Monaco are following the player but I'm told also some other Italian club is tracking him i think there is a chance for for him to make a move in January. At the moment, it's still too early to say where and what will be the final price. But I think there is a possibility. For sure, he's an interesting player in this kind of opportunity, I think, for the final weeks of, of January. So we have to be patient. As always, the January transfer window is always low when it starts. Uh, and then in the second, the third week, it becomes interesting. And I think <laughs> this could be the kind of move.
1: Let's let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Cristiano Ronaldo to Sporting KC uh rumors I don't know how legitimate they are or or how close they were to actually happening I find it bizarre uh no disrespect to Jimmy because Jimmy played there and Jimmy's a legend there and I would, on, hate to see, I would I would hate to see his his Jimmy's legendary posters covered by Ronaldo's but how real was this was this a legitimate uh potential was it was it just uh, media driven I mean what was the legitimacy around this and sort of what's the backstory if you know it
2: No, no, no. This is true. Uh, I'm told that this is true. They approached Cristiano Ronaldo. This is the truth. Of course, the financial proposal from Al Nasser was absolutely the best and so it was impossible to match a proposal for 200 million euros per season, commercial deals included, but it's a mad proposal. It's the biggest proposal ever. But it's true that they tried. They had two conversations with Cristiano Ronaldo. The first one was before the first interview of Piers Morgan with Cristiano Ronaldo when he broke up with Manchester (laughs) United and the relationship with, with Tenag was absolutely over. And the second meeting Was right after the interview with Piers Morgan. So they had two meetings. They offered him kind of project, of course, also with some commercial deals included, as Al Nasr did. And they were around few clubs who approached Cristiano Ronaldo because in Europe the situation was really quiet. No one wanted uh, really to spend big money on on Cristiano now. And uh, Al Nasr and Halilal approached Cristiano, but Halilal were not able to do any deal in January. And so this is why it was complicated for them to wait and wait a bit. And so it was a possibility, but was never close honestly because cristiano knew that the proposal from Atlanta was absolutely the best and was impossible to to beat them so it was a possibility but nothing that advanced
0: okay so fab we can't talk about cristiano ronaldo without bringing up lino messi i mean that's just kind of how it works right <laughs> if you bring up one you got to bring up the other how real was his link to inter miami Leo messi and do you think you're going to see him in mls in the future
2: but I think in the future is a possibility and I would absolutely keep it open we know his relationship with all the people in Inter Miami so it's true that they wanted him they approached Leo Messi but it was never done we heard rumours many times of a done deal with Inter Miami for summer 2023 the reality it was never done Leo wanted to focus on the World Cup and I think it was not a bad idea Yeah. then right after yeah. <laughs> he had a very good agreement with Paris Saint-Germain because now from what I'm told there is a verbal pact between Leo Messi and Paris Saint-Germain ready. it's verbal again so they have to meet now in January when Leo will be back in Paris with his family, with his father Jorge to meet with Paris Saint-Germain, to prepare the contract to discuss on the salary, so it's not signed yet he's not done yet, but verbally it's almost ready, and so the expectation is for Messi to stay at least one more year in Paris, and then for the future I would keep it open, because Messi never closed his doors to, to Inter-Miami but now he wants to stay in Europe, he wants to continue in Paris, his family too, and so never say never, but as of now the focus is 100% on Paris Saint-Germain. You
1: know, I, I want to make sure we get to some concrete have uh, questions while we still have you, but 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 I definitely don't want to miss out on the opportunity to talk about uh, national team-related things with regard to the United States. Greg Berhalter's uh, contract is up as of, uh, I guess, yesterday. Um, has there been any legitimate rumors or or legitimate sort of momentum around the potential of a, a big-name manager coming out of Europe to, to, to potentially coach the U.S. men's national team?
2: At the moment, no. Honestly, at the moment, no. It's just about some conversations with agents just to bring some ideas. but at the moment nothing concrete or nothing that advanced. This is why I think there is still room to to discuss and to plan for the future together with Belharter. Then at the same point at the moment it's still an open situation. So I think it's one we have to watch and and see how it will develop in the next weeks. But at the moment it's still still open because um, about top coaches open to coaching but national teams in general because I think it's the same for Brazil for example. Brazil have no coach but they want to wait. They know that this situation will change probably in a few weeks with many managers making their move and making the decisions and so I think on this one we have to wait a bit but it's still absolutely open
0: okay so keeping it in the let's say US soccer umbrella under that Thiago Almada that's a player who was the first current MLS player to ever win a World Cup 21 year old plays for Atlanta United we also have a, is there any I guess my follow up to that would be when you answer that question are there any other stars that you're hearing about that might make the move to MLS ahead of this new 2023 season
2: a good question. I think at the moment it's still it's still too early to say but I think there are many players out of contract in the summer who could be really interesting for, for potential MLS clubs. So uh, I think of Sergio Ramos, for example, or many others. So all these players have to decide their future, I think, in March, in April. At the moment, it's too early to say. And then for Thiago Almada, uh, I would keep an eye on him. Absolutely. He's a great talent. European clubs are following him since long time because, for example, Villarreal wanted him a few years ago. Inter have sent their scouts multiple times to follow him but now they play with different kind of systems so I don't see him as a target for Inter but it just shows how many clubs are following him closely and so if it's not January I think in the summer he will have the opportunity to move to Europe because Spanish clubs, especially are following him, have very good relationship with his agent and so I think this could be a possibility 100%.
1: And then, in in terms of outgoing as well, beyond uh, Almada, is there any other players uh, whose names have come across your desk, or whether American or otherwise, that are potentially moving abroad from Major League Soccer, or has it been pretty quiet so far?
2: No, the moment is still quiet, but you know, better than me that. In MLS, the market is always fluid. And so I think in the second part of January, now for all the important clubs in in Europe, it's time to uh, get their big targets as soon as possible. This is like this in in England. For example, I live in Italy, and in Italian football, it's really slow. Here, everything is really, really slow. And so, for example, also in Spain, they did almost nothing. Spanish clubs, Italian clubs. In England, they're trying to get the big targets. And then in the second part of the markets, they will go for opportunities. And this is where I see this kind of of market for, for MLS. And then I think it will be a really important year not just in the general transfer window but also in the summer transfer window for example for another player like Ricardo Pepe who is still an important player on the market uh, he's on loan to Groningen he's doing pretty well but I see him and I'm told that he will leave Augsburg in the summer 100% so he will have a new opportunity and it's interesting to see where he will go but for sure it's going to be an interesting year for, uh, for American players I'm sure
1: yeah and, and uh, Jimmy did you have any last questions before we let uh, Fabrizio go
0: for too, first and foremost, great to see you. Second, Tel Aviv, I said hello. And then third, tell us a little bit about Cameron Carter Vickers, obviously coming off a, a a draw against Rangers and the old firm. Do you think he can make a move? Because as much as we've thought about Cameron Carter Vickers, he's still relatively young. Even We've been talking about it for many, many years, but he's only 24. What do you think he's going to make a move? Or do you see him making a move away from Celtic?
2: I think not in January, because Celtic will try to keep all the players. Also, already, Juranovic, who did very well in the, in the World Cup, I think he has a chance to leave, so I don't see them selling too many players in January. But in the summer, it could be a possibility. For English clubs, uh, he, his agents had some contacts with English clubs. At the moment, it's still a quiet situation, because again, I don't see Celtic letting go in January, but it's one to watch maybe in the summer. So let's see. But at the moment, Celtic are very happy, so I am sick. it's not going to be an easy one.
1: Well, thank you so much, Fabrizio, for joining us. Obviously, we appreciate your insight early in the transfer window, but you've got so much intel to share with us. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. We wish you, you all the best. Hopefully, you get a few hours of sleep over the next month. <laughs> and, uh, we'll make sure we check back in with you, but we appreciate you taking the time sure. out of your day.
2: Thank you. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Uh, I will enjoy the show as always, and thanks a lot again. Happy New Year. See you soon. Happy New Year.
1: So Jimmy, uh, before we go to our first and only Hi. break of the show, just wanna uh, one say good to see you uh, because you know didn't get yeah, a really, it's great to uh, see you uh, as well. You know, uh, w- would like to have had a little bit more of a formal introduction, not introduction, but reintroduction to us in the new year. Well, uh, but but Fabrizio, time but changes is very busy. It's yeah, you got to get it's sort of just. Got to get straight into it. No appetizers here. No, no, no no, no appetizers. So, um, straight to the entree. Uh, yeah. So first off, I mean, Happy New Year, uh, as I already said about four times now. But, but how are you? Uh, you're, people are probably still wondering what you're doing standing outside right now behind, <laughs> right in front of Colorado Boulevard. You know, uh,
0: I, I, try, you know, I feel like I'm a citizen of the world, Heath, you know, and I'm okay. all over the place and I'm currently in Pasadena, California. We have a family tradition where we sleep on the street here to see the Rose Parade. My mom's crazy. Wait, She's you actually sleep on, you sleep, you,
1: so you've slept there.
0: It doesn't it look like I slept here, Keith. I mean, my hair's all over the place. I'm wearing multiple. Yeah, you know what? I, I enjoyed the night here and it was fun. And my kids are here too. And we're passing on the tradition to awesome. the next
1: generation. That's and and it's, great.
0: it's great. And you yeah, picked, one, days, and you picked one of the cars. coldest days. You picked one of the coldest
1: days of the winter so far. So that's great.
0: It's great. Yes, it's great. <laughs> anyway, it's great to see you. Happy New Year to you and everybody else. I'm curious. So if, if, if and when Charlie pops on, I'm very curious to see which house he's going to be joining us in. I thought he heard going to get a couple new ones. I think that was his New Year's resolution for this upcoming year. So I'm, I'm excited to get into it. I, I love the show. I love our community. And there's so much to talk about. So when we have a Fabrizio on and we talk about players that are making significant moves or, or just being part of the conversation, Heath, I think that's all we wanted for such a long time was just to have American players and MLS in particular be a part of the conversation. And I think that's happening and it might have been a little bit slower than we wanted, but we, we're getting there, and we're becoming more of a prominent player, I would say. And I say we, but, but just American soccer in general. And I think that's yeah. really exciting for, for us as we build up to this 2026 World Cup.
1: Yeah, when I was asking him about uh, Timo Owea, I mean, obviously, the interesting thing is is that he's, he's not starting, right, uh, in his two games coming back. And he had so much right. momentum, was one of our best players in the World Cup. But that, to me, isn't the downside, right? The, 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 I think that's an upside because we saw the talent that he has, We're hearing the rumors that he has to move on as opposed to a players, our our national team players in the past would get buried at these clubs, right? Because transfer fees were exorbitant. Maybe they came in on that and then got stuck there because no one could pay to get them out and all these other things that these players would get stuck for years and we'd lose all of this potential development out of them. Whereas a a team away, maybe he's not playing, maybe he's surplus to requirements, but he's had a good world cup. He's been on the sort of the shop window to prove himself. And, and now we can actually see him go to the next club potentially and, and continue to develop. And I think that's a really great distinction between previous generations mm-hmm. and now is that the wrong step doesn't mean the end for a lot of these guys. It could just be, you know, the wrong environment. Now they move on to the next one to try to find that right environment, which I think is, is again, far different than than perhaps um, generations in the past.
0: No, 100%. I think Ricardo Pepe and Christian Pulisic stand out for me are the two players that maybe found themselves and some situations where they're going to become a little bit sticky. Now, that said, with Fabrizio saying there at the very end that Ricardo Pepe could be making a move from Augsburg, which I think would be smart. But he went to Groningen. He proved himself that he can hang. He can be pivotal. They can count on him, and he can take on that responsibility and have success, I think is super important. Christian, it feels like he's in the shop window right now. Todd Bowley, Chelsea, I mean, they're linked to everybody, and it's insane. And that we're seeing it on the outside. Yeah. the players on the team are human as well. And they're seeing the same kind of stuff. I remember when we would get some news around trades and whatever around in MLS or even with the national team. Oh, wow. They're going to bring this guy and bring that in. And you always thought about how it's going to impact you. And so I wonder what that's doing to the players. And, and it just feels like Christian might be in the shop window right now. I could see them potentially keeping him through the rest of the year, maybe not making yeah. a move. Cause I know there's some teams, Newcastle, Manchester United that want him on loan, but Chelsea don't want to maybe give them to those particular clubs, maybe want him to switch leagues. I don't know. It's going to be pretty complicated, but he's the one that that, that falls into that. They paid a lot of money for him. They're going to be looking for a lot of money in return, whereas everybody else, I think, has the luxury of potentially moving outside of Yunus Musa, who I think his price tag is going to be pretty high, but I think clubs are willing to pay it at this point.
1: Yeah, and 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 uh, before we go to our break, Christopher Walken has a question. I'll answer first, Jimmy, um, and and then you can jump in after. But is is the American premium real in the sense that our players may be able to latch onto bigger clubs than their talent warrants because of their marketability? I don't think that's true. I think that was an attempt. I think in terms of marketability your consumption your main consumption point for a club is going to be a season ticket which you know most players and uh, most of uh, them from the US aren't going to buy a season ticket to a chelsea chelsea for example and part two is jerseys and uh, uh for example adidas or nike you're getting penny the clubs are getting pennies on the dollar on those jersey sales because the the, the actual authentic jerseys are so expensive um, to customize them, and whatever you're not making a ton of money. It's not like someone's going to go spend forty million on Christian Pulisic and be like, you know what, we're going to make seventy million on him back. There was that Nicholas Anelka thing when he <laughs> went to when he went to Turkey for whatever it was seventeen million. I'm just making up a number, and all of a sudden he had made it all back in Jersey sales. Maybe the actual revenue from that, but the, the but the actual the actual profit that comes out of that is relatively low. Though I do think there are other ways in which they, they think there can be marketability of these players from TV rights to things like that, to increasing the value of clubs, but that's at a, at a, at a higher level, Jimmy, I don't know what your thoughts are. I just think it's wishful thinking to think that there's some sort of like nepotism that's getting uh, our players to clubs because of like Jersey sales or some sort of way to transact marketability, I think is important, but th- this idea of it being some sort of like, you know, uh, transactable thing, I think is a little extreme.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think there's some nuance there. To your point, Heath, I do believe that there might be somewhat of an inflated price on Americans, similar to that English tax for English players playing in the Premier League, where Harry Maguire probably shouldn't have gone for $80 million or whatever. He should have gone for probably 40 or 50 all things considered. I do believe that there are brands that come in and maybe offset some of the costs. So Christian Pulisic's a Nike athlete. He goes to a Nike team with Chelsea, and and that's a nice symbiotic relationship where both can grow. I do think when we look back on early Premier League days and players, American players playing there, we have full Fulham. Everybody, there's a lot of Fulham fans in the States because they were playing American players. Yeah. And I think that model, maybe by accident or whatever, but, but people know Fulham. Now, mm-hmm. Ricardo Pepe goes to Augsburg. Dude, nobody knows Augsburg. You know, they have, like, a, like a nut on their, <laughs> on their crest, right? It's like an <laughs> acorn or whatever. Like, nobody knows Augsburg. There's nothing sexy about Augsburg, and when you watch them play, there's nothing sexy about how they play. Ricardo Pepe goes there. They definitely, I think, paid an inflated price for him because of that American tag. And, and American yeah, American American an American ownership
1: group. True, true,
0: true, true. But now they know who Augsburg – like, Augsburg's a little bit more, at least – Maybe it feel, we're in an echo chamber on Twitter and social media, or whatever. But it feels like more people are aware of Augsburg than they ever were before because Ricardo yeah. Pepe went there. how yeah. he play in the World Cup? You know That would have obviously got amplified. But, but he didn't, and now he's with again and all that yeah. type of stuff. I do think there's a little bit of it. However, to get it all back, these guys still have to be able to play. And, and I remember being uh, a pal with, with a, a, somebody at AC Milan way back. And he's like, how do we get into the American market? And I said, you have to sign an American player and not only have to sign them, you have to play him, you have to trust him. And that's when you're going to start to move the needle. Now it took me long. That was in 2013. So it took about eight or nine years and they got Serginho Des now, and we'll see if they end up uh, making his loan move permanent. But, but I do think that there is, well,
1: they had Gooch when he was fighting Zlatan back in the day too.
0: Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> never
1: played though, right? They signed him, but yeah, he but awesome, he still got so in a fist fight. He still true. got in a fist fight with Lachlan, which true. is pretty and, good for marketability. He
0: won, so fair yeah. play to Gooch. Yeah, of course, one hundred percent. So anyway, that I do think there's a little bit, maybe there's an inflated thing, but when you when you still pull all that back, I think we're getting to a point where these guys still have to play. They have to be good players, and that's been really reassuring from my perspective.
1: Yeah. And and look, I I, I don't want to overstate that there is no uh, marketability of it. I'm just saying like this idea of like buying a player and then transacting on it is a lot easier said than done. There is the ability if you look at most leagues around the world, they are capped. Most teams are domestically capped in terms of increasing their revenue. So the only way to increase their revenue is to go outside of their walls, right? Which is new TV deals. And in order to do that, you need more fans. In order to have more fans, you need to go out and market in those things. Yes, Kai718 uh, talked about uh, you do U.S. tours. I think that's possible if you're at Chelsea already. Maybe smaller clubs have the ability to, to convert on that. And then outside of that, you have your team sponsors, right? And the moment you can tap into the U.S. to actually start going after big corporate sponsors in the U S because you have an American player. It's a shinier toy to go after them, to be able to sponsor your club and be like our official porta a potty sponsor, Jimmy of the United States, <laughs> uh, because now we have Christian Pulisic and, and we can have this type of thing. There are some opportunities to do that. I'm just saying it's not one-to-one of saying, Hey, we buy him because then we have this. It is, it is an asset and a tool to be able to use, but it's not, uh, just as, as simple as as just signing him, and then and then you you get all your money back because he's an American uh, athlete.
0: No, no, you, that's why that gets back to my point of you have to play the player and you have to trust the player. You can't just oh look at us, we got you know we got an American follow right. our club on social media and all these things. Yeah, you you got to get to a point where this is a valued player on your roster that you're going to play and trust. In a meaningful way, because I think, and it's obviously been shown that our our audience is maturing, we're evolving as fans, our sophistication and savvy and know-how of the game continues to grow, which is awesome, and we're going to know, we're going to see right through that bullshit if you're not going to play him, and Augsburg was kind of that, I mean, that's probably the best recent example we have, is they signed him, didn't even play him in his best position, and then they never even played them, changed coaches, and then sent them on loan. Like mm-hmm. We can see through that stuff now. And so we're not going to follow. I started following Augsburg when they let Ricardo Pepe mm-hmm. go. I saw, I unfollowed yeah. these guys. Yeah. you know. And so there has to be some substance to these decisions. And I think clubs are starting to understand that that's part of the
1: game now. Well said, Jimmy. Well, listen, we're going to take our first Thank and you. only break of the show. When we come back, we've got more to talk about. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm excited to be back with all of you. We'll be back after the break. Stay up to date with every story and every heart-pounding moment from the world of elite-level soccer with the Golasso Starting 11 newsletter from CBS Sports. It's your ultimate guide to the beautiful game, taking you beyond the pitch and around the globe with expert analysis of everything you need to know in the world of soccer. Sign up today for free at cbssports.com slash Once again, it's Golasso Starting 11 newsletter, and you can sign up for free at cbssports.com slash g-o-l-a-z-o. Now, Jimmy, uh, for those of you listening to this in audio form, Jimmy is dancing uh, where the Rose Bowl – where the Rose Parade is. Um, Down here in Southern California, uh, he is uh, doing, a, a, I guess, a yearly camping trip, so to speak, um, to go see and witness this Rose Parade. Jimmy, let's talk about Greg Berhalter for uh, a few minutes, and hopefully Charlie Davies or Chuck Wagon joins us here um, any moment once he's home and settled in. For those that don't know, oh, he is on with us. Uh, So, Charlie – uh thanks for joining us. Obviously, for those that were watching uh Paramount Plus, Charlie was on the uh, the old old firm today. Uh so we appreciate you taking time, Charlie, and getting back. Man, you travel fast when you got the PJ, huh? The private jet gets you home quick. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, Charlie. We Happy appreciate New you Year, you guys. uh you are joining us. We're just um we just had Fabrizio Romano on the show, and now we're moving on to uh, Greg Berhalter contract talks. Obviously, you know, a lot of people within U.S. soccer circles. Uh, oh, as Jimmy has Jimmy. people cutting across yeah. in front of him right now. Trash can Conrad set up. Uh, the, the, the <laughs> people just straight walking into his frame. For those of you that are
3: listening, <laughs> oh, somebody just took his, his phone. took his phone. <laughs> <and they knocked laughs> it over.
1: Oh, man, it's wild. Anyways, um, Charlie, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people just like Jimmy and I do. Is there any any update on uh, the Greg Berhalter uh,
3: contract situation? no update uh from 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 what i've heard um it, it feels like both sides are waiting for for opportunity so if if i'm re- looking into the situation i i would feel like greg burhalter's looking out there if there's a if there's an opportunity that maybe would tempt him to to jump into club management again and then for the national team you're you're waiting to see what other options there are out there because I think if you're going with a a U.S. coach, then you're you're gonna have to hope that you can can sign Greg Berhalter again. Because I don't see another option uh, for an American out there yeah. other than Jesse Marsh, who's not gonna leave Leeds United. Yeah. So yeah. I think from that standpoint, you what, what Jimmy was saying uh, long long ago, which is you have to wait. You cannot rush into a situation in, in hiring a national team coach. It's, you're, you're looking to lead this group to the next level over the next four years up, to, up into that World Cup. So you wait for the perfect um, coach to come into to, to the picture. So it, it's, um, it's, I know it's, it's difficult for a lot of us because um, you, you want so, uh, some answers, yeah. but I think patience is, is the way to go here.
1: And Jimmy, you know, for you, looking at Greg Berhalter and the way that he ran this national team, did you get that a little bit of that inkling that perhaps he preferred a club environment, the way in which he was trying to run it, maybe a lack of acceptance of the way the national team works, that he prefers that environment over what is a very unique uh, type of job that is the national team? Yeah, that's a great question.
0: I do think he was trying to run the national team as a club, and I think that at times gave us some frustrating moments because you're trying to teach all these I don't say complex things that our players can't understand, but you're trying to cram a lot of stuff down their throat in a short period of time. Cause you only have a certain amount of time with each group of players ahead of any window. And it was unfortunate ahead of the world cup that we didn't have that, that one month run up like normal. So that said, it seemed like when we got to the world cup, he did start to streamline and the players did respond in a positive way. And the attitude for 99% of the group was very good and, and pointed in the right direction. And, and uh, obviously the results uh, did what they were going to do. Now, maybe we should have been a little bit more complex and had some different plans for the Netherlands game. Different conversation. But I do think that he was trying to run the the team as a club team because that's what he knows. And and I think the national team job is completely different in terms of the rhythm and pace of it. And I'm sure he got, I don't say bored, I just think you get antsy, right? You just want to be around. You want to have more input. You want to have more influence. And instead, you're just sending texts to guys like, man, you played well, keep it up. You know I mean? That's kind of what you're doing for the majority of your time. And then you got to get it really hyper-focused when you do get around the group of players and, and as you try to instill what, the, what your ideas and, and methodology is. So I do think there probably is a draw. And as we mentioned before, this is the peak. I don't know if Greg Berhalter takes it based on the recent history of our managers. He's probably going to get fired in a year and a half. I think his stock would be a lot lower then than it is currently, where he did a pretty good job to get us out of the group. And and uh, there were some things in that round of sixteen game that you can feel like, all right, there were some ideas, and maybe if Christian scores early, that game goes different. Those are the fine margins, but I don't know. It's it's uh, it's interesting. I think Greg should really consider be looking to make a move, and I agree with Charlie that that both teams are looking at different opportunities, and and uh, I don't want to be in any rush. I'm just kind of curious about the January camp. So I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. With regard to uh, is is. This January camp, I guess Greg's still in charge. Do you want? Does he want to do that? I, I, it's really interesting what they're going to ha- do with that, especially if he hasn't signed anything prior to that camp starting.
1: Yeah, I mean, at least for me, I, I think it, it's hard because I fear what happened last time, right, where we lost a year and a half with an interim coach that – If you're not going to go with Greg, you should probably have a plan in place. And if you have a plan, like not to say you should always be preparing for the successor. Right. And 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 not to say like you can't really plan timing of who's available and whatnot. But I fear like you go into a January camp, you go, okay, we got some results. We don't need to rush this. And we're heading towards 2026 that I do think Greg has pushed us forward as a national team in terms of uh, a lot of things. From, from from what we saw here of dual national, um, the comment on here, dual national recruitment to implementing a style of play to building confidence in a very young and experienced squad to winning trophies uh, uh, regionally with this squad. But I do think that the next person then, if it is the next person, needs to come in soon and be able to continue that plan because it does take a lot of infrastructure because you have to have all this planning that comes into a very tight window of time to execute on, like we just talked about as as a national team. Um Charlie, what's your take on on just the January camp or just the overall situation? Are you nervous at all about the timing, Um, you know, patience versus trying to just make something happen? I mean, it feels like how far could Greg have gone before them saying, well, maybe we shouldn't make a change? You know, like, is it another round or Mm -hmm. was the mind already made up? Or I mean, it just feels like there's been zero statements from U.S. soccer across the board.
3: Well, I would say. January camp is just giving players in Major League Soccer a platform to be seen, to, to compete against each other, the top players. But if you're looking at the total picture, the whole picture, how many of these players right now will, would walk into this team? Not not many. But it is a great opportunity for the best Major League Soccer players, and especially the younger ones with a lot of. Yeah, potential. but that's what I mean. That's get- what
1: my response is: the younger ones, right? The yeah. next generation players that will be in this team um, get an opportunity now.
3: But again, it, it's a it's a long process, so mm-hmm. there's no need to panic over a January <laughs> camp. You know, I, I think. Whether they, they end up having it, whether Greg is, is managing this group, whatever happens, I do think they'll figure it out and they'll have enough time to get uh, a group of players together to have a, a successful camp where you just want to see guys compete, get, it, get into um, an opportunity to play a, a, a European club, usually in a friendly. And then you know from there, hopefully we'll have a better idea of, of who the manager is for the next next year.
1: Jimmy, final thoughts. I know you got to balance. The parade is going to end. Uh, someone's going to snatch your phone again. So, any any final thoughts for us, and then uh, Charlie and I will take it from here.
0: No, I'm very excited for the January transfer window for all of our American players. Absolutely thrilled that Fabricio spent some time with us today to give us some insight. Hopefully, we can get him back on throughout this whole month. And uh, very curious to see what happens with Greg Burhalter in January camp in general so i'm excited that we're continuing to do this 2023 is going to be massive i love you guys happy new year to both of you and to your families and to your loved ones and for everybody that is watching i'm going to go uh drink some hot chocolate and throw some marshmallows at people and i can't wait to see you later this week
3: all right see you jimmy see ya charlie um that's a first by the way Heath. what's that his phone was absolutely touched and yeah. taken. Was yeah, brought. Taken. It was. Taken. It was going somewhere. Yeah, it was heading.
1: It was heading. <laughs> heading. It was. It was on its way somewhere else. Trash can.
3: Um, absolutely panicked.
1: Yeah. Wild. And by the way, his new nickname. And we're we got to find a way to work it in from a from a from a like a flow or a a, a rhyming mm-hmm. standpoint. But uh, a lot of suggestions for porta potty, Conrad, uh, because oh. of the amount of porta potties that were behind him there. Um, but, um, Charlie, uh, in terms of a week, yeah, in terms of a weekend recap, and just so you guys know, we're back, uh, with our regular live shows and on-demand shows, but we're going to be going twice a week for now, uh, outside of the national team windows for the foreseeable future. So that'll be Mondays at our usual time, as well as Thursdays, that's Mondays, 1 PM Eastern. And then, uh, and then Thursdays as well, 3 PM, um, Eastern, uh, time. So just, so you know, what our schedule is looking like moving forward, but Charlie, in terms of a weekend in review, um, take on on the leads uh, frustrating uh, Newcastle St James Park a uh, Newcastle right. side that's you know cruising near the top maybe a dark horse to continue to challenge for a Champions League spot or the dark horse to continue for a Champions League spot Reem and Jedi impressed uh, as Fulham beat Southampton and Musa was involved in a two one defeat to Villarreal anything from the weekend uh, that stood out to you. Obviously, we talked earlier about Pulisic and uh, the setup over the weekend, um, him doing well, um, but anybody else? Uh, the shithousery that we know of uh, a Tyler Adams, if you saw it on the internet, kicking the ball, hitting another ball, making it fly out, his willingness to just be uh, a bully on the field, which I love. Um, anything from the weekend that you wanted to discuss?
3: Well, one, I-, I think Tyler Adams was just absolutely massive in that match against Newcastle. It, just his he's just getting better. And I love the fact that he's, he stayed healthy. He's finally mastered um, the upkeep of of playing top level uh, every weekend. So that is, that's fantastic. He's on a rocket ship and I'm interested to see if Leeds United can hold on to him after this summer, just because it looks like he's, he's got the attention uh, of the world right now and, you have a build-up to a World Cup. It's an exciting time to be an American in Europe because I think everyone has earned that respect. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see what his trajectory looks like. And then I think we saw Brent Aronson doesn't look like he's 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 got to get this rust off of him. I think mm-hmm. maybe not playing as much as he would have liked in the World Cup is is took a toll on him mentally. And I think you saw a little bit of that. Um, in that match, I, I see uh, our guy Christopher Walken uh, on the YouTube chat til- talking about Tillman. Um, he Malik Tillman didn't have a good match today uh, against Celtic. I know he's had some hi- highlight real moves uh, in the past uh, month or so with Rangers, but today in a, in a big match, kind of let it slip by him. Just his touches weren't there. It's almost like the moment got got to him because of because that rivalry and just being a part of it but um Cameron Carter Vickers was on point he was sharp he he was the the best player in the the park for for Celtics so um th- that's what stands out to me
1: yeah, and obviously Tillman's 20 years old and now just finally getting his first team minutes at, at, at a consistency that, that, that we're hoping for. So he's got a ways to go to, to really having that uh, top-level performances like we've seen flashes of. Uh, anything else to take away from, from the, uh, the, the uh, old firm uh, match today that you were covering with Paramount Plus?
3: No, I mean, it, Rangers had a, a great opportunity to, to close the, the gap and it would have been six points had they won they're able to close it out but just just too too careless uh in front of goal and and then ultimately just the mistakes that they made in the back they allowed celtic to to get into the box and and get touches and and the two substitutes changed the game for them so celtic were able to come away with a point point. and if you told them before the match if you were if they'd be happy with the point and and absolutely they would because now yeah. it's i think nine points is just too great of a distance for, for Rangers to, to overcome it.
1: Well, listen, since uh, Daryl DK came back from his uh, injury on Mm. November 12th, uh, they have won. uh, I think it would be seven straight or uh, seven out of eight. Sorry. um, Matches. He scored the match winner uh, today. And, and we've all been critical of him because we know between what he does at the club level, which he's incredible at the championship level, right? His busyness in the box. We've seen him score goals, that activity, His size, Mm -hmm. the style in which they play in the championship uh, fits him very, very well. He's had a a horrible run of injuries, and hopefully he's back on the field. But scores the winner today, we know that there are certain aspects between that and what we need him to be at the national team level in terms of first touch and being more consistent. Do you think that he has the upside to be a a U.S. men's national team number nine, a
3: starter? He has the potential for, for sure. I, yeah. I, I've, I've always, I, I've watched him since college uh, when he was playing with the University of Virginia. And it's always, it's never been about his pace or his power, or I, I'd say there are question marks in college watching him saying, mm, can he finish properly? Does he know how to finish and make the most of his, his opportunities? Because he, he put himself in good positions, which is half the battle as a striker. And then his hold up play, Put his first touch let him down and his finishing. He went to Orlando City and I think it took him a while to get into a rhythm understanding the the I guess the demands of playing professionally. Like anyone I, I went through it myself. And then he came out on top of it and and then he was hitting hitting form uh with Orlando City after about eight months or so. And then he was he was on this rocket ship. I still think when we saw him with the national team in Gold Cup, after he he had proven himself in, in the championship in England, that his first touch wasn't good enough, especially uh, at the international level. It's a whole nother game. It moves faster and possessions that much more important. It's taken him time, but it seems like he's getting there slowly. Um, it, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. And I it certainly wouldn't have made a difference for us uh, in, in the World Cup uh, in Qatar just because of the way we played especially against the, the Netherlands. So, uh, I I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic of a player like Daryl DK cuz he has a, a, many things that you can't teach. And so, um as long as he just continues to develop, this this is a player that can definitely be um in in contention for that number 9 spot.
1: Yeah, and and he's still young. He's got a lot of time, obviously, uh, took the leap, has experienced some injuries, as I mentioned before, and and hopefully he gets that consistent run of form. But at a minimum, he's showing ways in which he can be impactful for the national team, right? Still has a long ways to go mm-hmm. in terms of being the guy, just like every player in the nine pool has to be the guy in the men's national team right now. Um, looking at that, uh, obviously, beyond beyond that, uh, t- uh, Timothy Wea, uh, as we mentioned when we were on with Fabrizio Romano, Charlie, coming off the bench again, two games in a row coming out of the break. He's been linked with Valencia. He's been linked with some other clubs, uh, but again, sort of being surplus to requirements uh, at, at Lille at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think some of that momentum, uh, we saw the quality. He was one of the US's best players, at least in my opinion, at the world cup uh, is a move necessary for him to continue his development at this point.
3: I, I think a move would benefit Tim, Timothy Wea at this point. If he's not, I think also I thought, I think Leal well, was was intent on selling some of these players that were playing, like a Jonathan David, which would have opened up more space and more time for uh, Timothy Way on the pitch. When these players haven't been sold, now you're holding back Timothy Way. So Timothy Way is not going to ever play over a Jonathan David. Uh, and in in this case, he's been playing more primarily on the right side, but I would have liked to see him move up to up top and I think that may be in the plans but if if it's one of those things where you have to wait a little bit longer in the summer if things don't get better for Timothy Way I think we 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 should all expect him to move.
1: And and then um looking at uh uh Austin Trusty got the minutes I I don't I don't think Zach Steffen played did Zach Steffen play? Really yeah, he kinda? played.
3: Did he play? He um, played today. Started Oh, today. It was today.
1: Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um looking at this this goalkeeper conversation right uh looking at the ages of our goalkeepers our player pool knowing that Gaga Slonina is now at Chelsea likely to go on loan do you think that there is it's prime to have a shuffling uh, as we look at uh, in terms of uh, who the number 1 is or are we still saying you know
3: we, 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 <laughs> I'll we, tell you right we, now hell no. <laughs> Matt, no Matt Turner is 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 set in that in that one role as of now yeah but don't That's you think
1: 12 over the next 12 months, Zach uh Matt Turner's
3: not going to play at our. No, he he is not gonna play at all unless Ramsey gets injured. <laughs> and like, he's still gonna he just be the out, the and out number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he for now, he's the number one. Okay. I think come come summer, you have a front once you've kind of given your your team and understanding of your qualities and your potential and, and Arteta has already talked about Matt Turner and and how well he's developed with his feet and how he's settled in well but after the summer you get a you have an idea if you're going to get a chance to play or not if it's a real competition or not mm-hmm. and at that point you have to make moves to play if Matt Turner is not the number 1 which i don't anticipate him uh, beating Ramsdale for the number 1 spot in the summer then He's gonna to have to move. And, and whether it's in the in the Premier League, which I would love to see him get a loan to a a, a lower a lower team in, in the Premier League, but playing in a top division, not the championship, either playing in the English Premier League or going to the Bundesliga, like we saw Zach Steffen do when he was with City when he went to play in the Bundesliga and did very well up until his injury. That's what needs to be done for our keepers. Playing playing consistently and playing in top divisions.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the other thing that I wanted to just, I guess, touch on while we're here is, is just the conversation around uh, Florian Balogun. I mm-hmm. don't think he dressed in the match against uh, Lille uh, from what from the research that I was uh, finding. I didn't see him on the bench. I didn't see him uh, in the starting lineup. But again, I was looking on live score, so perhaps I was wrong about that. But this guy's third or tied third with uh, Lacazette in terms of goals in, in Ligue 1. Um, that time is coming. Yes, people call him a, a deep-lying midfielder or a striker or, you know, people argue over the, the actual two letters or the acronym you put next to his name. But do you think this is somebody uh, that needs to be heavily recruited to come into the national team soon? Yes.
3: <laughs> Anyone like, who's scoring goals, he's yeah, to be Yeah, but recruited. more so,
1: <laughs> more so like, we'll take anybody at this point, right? Like, Daryl Dike scoring, we get excited. We're going to get excited about everybody that's scoring goals. But yeah. in terms of the long term viability of him being a solution um as a, as as a potential nine in our national team
3: yeah and and to answer a youtube comment from fashion icon uh having played in france is league a league 1 better than the 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 uk championship absolutely not even not even a question when you talk about the quality um in liga i mean from from top to bottom it is a fantastic league that still doesn't get enough credit, even though you have PSG and and Messi and Neymar and Mbappe typically get all the headlines. But there is a ton of quality in in Liga, and if you're scoring goals in such a difficult league to play in and have success in, then and you could play for the U.S., we better be doing everything we can yeah. to recruit him to play for us. And he's not going to play over Harry Kane he anytime soon. So. I think that always comes to a point, no matter how much you feel you may want to play and play for England, or you could break into England. If you're not going to give, be given the opportunity, then you you say, okay, then I'm going to go play with the U S and I have a, I have a a close friend in Yunus Musa who's playing there. And I, and I know a lot of these players and they're young and exciting and I want to grow with them. And and I, I can relate with that project. I'm excited. So I, I hope that, we're doing everything we can, and I don't. I wouldn't doubt that we are, we are not think. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, look at what I mean. The Arsenal, Arsenal gotten. aren't
1: calling him back with with the Gabriel Jesus injury. He's not coming back into the club. I don't know what that means mm-hmm. for his future. If that's more of like, hey, we have this assets that's developing. We know he's probably not quite here yet. We'd rather just keep him in form over there. Or. They're saying he's not good enough to be here, so we're not going to bring him back. We're going to go into the transfer window and maybe try to find a solution for for injury problems. I mean, uh, I, I don't know where I'm trying to go with that, but the fact is that that Arsenal are not bringing him back with an injury, knowing that he's in peak form right now. Uh, do you think there's still that delta between him being a top level striker? I mean, he's he's he's, he's tied third in 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 league one with goals right now.
3: Mm-hmm. He, I mean, Arsenal's Arsenal. They're they're. They're pushing for the the title, so yeah. I I I don't blame them, and they just extended uh, Eddie Niketia last year, so you're gonna give him his his chance. Yeah. So that that's I think the reason why you don't recall him, and you don't want to move a player out of a situation where he's th- he's flourishing mm-hmm. in. So you allow him to finish out the season, and then you see where where he stands, and if if it makes sense to bring him into the group. So I I, I don't think that really has anything to do. Um, with with his qual his overall quality or his potential, I think it's just a you you're you're in a good situation. Stay there, finish it out, and we don't necessarily need to pluck you out to to bring you here just to potentially play you.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, listen, Charlie, we're getting down to the end of the show, and I know mm-hmm. that you've uh, been a very busy man sometimes. You know, so we only get uh, <laughs> we get we get you uh, as a, as a super sub sometimes to come on and uh, close close out, or maybe you you're a starter, a half have half, half show kind of like, you know, subbed out at halftime kind of guy <laughs> over, over the last month, but we're, we're going to have you back. Um, and, uh, but when at least, Oh my gosh, almost, almost, uh, dropped this whole monitor thing and everything oh. was falling off, but saved it. Uh, but any final thoughts to wrap up this show? And as just a reminder for everybody. We're going to be doing this for the foreseeable future two times a week when the national mm-hmm. team is in play or in and around the national team, we're going to obviously increase those shows and make sure we're covering it in the most comprehensive way for all of you that tune in regularly and all of our loyal listeners, viewers, fans, and friends. So, uh, Charlie, to wrap up this show, any, any yes. final
3: thoughts? Well, I, I have one final thought okay. that, that goes into, uh, a vacation i i went to disney world with my family for a vacation mm-hmm. in orlando okay. the, you know the world cup's going on i'm i'm trying to you know detach myself from work and enjoy but the world cup so i'm trying to focus and i ran into a bunch of of in soccer we trust fans really at disney world yes i was i i can't tell you how many people came up to me and said that they're fans of of the show they watch it so everyone who's listening all the people uh here for the live show and the youtube comments thank you. I appreciate you. We, like, I can't tell you again how much uh, it, it means to me that you guys listen, um, that you enjoy uh, our conversation. So uh, respect to all of you out there.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And that is it uh, from us. Obviously, we'll be back again Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We appreciate all of you tuning in and make sure you go and buy some merch because not only telling us that you uh, are enjoying in Soccer We Trust, but that having that on your shirt or on your hoodie or wherever uh, for other people to see helps us grow. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are commenting on these shows. Uh, leave a rating and review if you're listening to this in audio form. Uh, and make sure that you're liking and subscribing to this because it helps us get found, helps the algorithm, helps us to continue to grow to make this thing great as we head towards 2026. When Charlie said the U.S. men's national team is going to win the World Cup. So, of course, on behalf of myself, let's go, uh, Jimmy uh, <laughs> Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Porta Potty, Conrad, uh, Charlie oh, Chuckwagon Davies, our uh, production team, Dez and Alex. We appreciate all of you. Happy New Year, and we will see you guys on Thursday. Peace.